Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're coming to you live for a recorded podcast. Do you like that? Huh? Live for a recorded? Huh? Huh? I, I I didn't get it. I know. You were too busy looking at your computer screen. Watch. I'm looking at my notes for today, which is yet another one on the spiritual gifts. What? Yeah. So, you know, I'm just beefing up, boning up, you know, making sure I can cut no mustard. You know what I'm saying? Spiritual gifts. What are they good for? Part four. (sighs) Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Gifts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If this is your first time joining us for the Church Planner Podcast, it doesn't get any better. We're just going to let you know right now, right out of the gate, don't expect too much. Yeah. Because we're not going to deliver too much. much. Pretty much. You know you know what I'm saying? You feel me, dog? Yep. 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 So, uh, yeah, you had some fun this morning. Your car broke down. Yeah, my car broke down, but, you know, providentially a block from, less than a block from my mechanic. So hood was smoking, things were trailing like a belt shredded. I think it was my power steering belt, car stank, and I was really hard to, to turn the steering wheel. So I had to, I had to use muscles, man, to get to my mechanics. Yeah, I hate when you have to use muscles to drive your car. Yeah, man. I, I want one of those. I want to live in the future where I get into the car and I say, Hey, futuristic Siri, I want to go to Manhattan and I just fall asleep and I get in my little egg shaped, you know, Jetson copter car and it flies me there and I'm sleeping. This is why you actually need to have TV because what you don't realize is what you just described is not in the future. It's here now. They have self-driving cars. Yeah, I did hear about that. Are are they out on the road right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
There's this one guy I know who records all of his marketing videos in his Tesla with it on autopilot. And so he's just sitting there like recording himself and the car is driving him on the freeway. No way. Yeah. Okay. Forget chargers, man. No, no, no. I want this. No. I know that's no. blasphemy to you, but I want that. It's so funny, man. Driving. We wake up in the morning and, and I look out our kitchen window and that's where our driveway is. And, and I'm looking at my car and I tell my wife, I go, man, that's a good looking car. <laughs> and the other day she goes, I don't remember you being this in love with your Mustang <laughs> as you are this car. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know what to say. My Mustang. I mean, you got to understand when I bought my Mustang, I was driving 30,000 miles a year. So. I, I went through the 36,000 mile warranty in the first 18 months. Like I was already mm-hmm. on the other side of it. And so I just keep telling her, I go, well, I never get to drive this car. So every time I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's a good looking car. But yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to drive. Let me put it like that. So, so Andrea said this morning, Hey, I don't know if this car, it's almost 10 years old. If it's going to be cost us more to keep it. And, I know. Uh, get a Hellcat. Well, I, I immediately. I let's not push it, Pete. I or get the, the demon. Hellcat. Get the demon. You're like, a church planner. You need to have the demon logo on the side of your car. You know that I cannot own the Hellcat while you are the owner of the lowly Charger. That just would be wrong. Something would be wrong with the fabric of the universe if Peyton Jones was driving the Hellcat and Pete Mitchell. Was yeah, but see, the here's the thing. There is a pecking order. Here's the thing. Okay, so Jamie really wanted the Range Rover, which is like, like the cheap stripped down version is seventy grand, and like you know ninety thousand is not uncommon up to a hundred, hundred and ten easy. And I go, yeah, okay, but that's when you, we have stupid money. We're not at the stupid money stage yet, and unfortunately, I am so cheap deep down inside. That's what the Hellcat is to me. Seventy grand, it's stupid money. I, I don't. I'm just not, I'm not at the stupid money stage in my life. But the leases, did I tell you what the lease is for the Hellcat right now? No. You can get a lease, a three-year lease for $508 a month. What? My my payment to own mine is $400. Dude, I think the maintenance on my truck right now is close to that. It's paid off, but I mean, shoot, man. I'm telling you. That's we're thinking about. I'm telling you. Lease the Hellcat. Yeah. Just I do not do it off. from Huntington Beach, Dodge Charger, Jeep, whatever they call themselves. <laughs> Stay away from them. They're evil. Duly noted. Well, hey, I, I have a meeting. It doesn't mean that we won't come back and record later, but I got a meeting. So should we hop into? Oh, well, I do got to say this before we talk in, about spiritual gifts. And if you got smack talk, that's cool. But Andrew and I watched the entire Alien series back to back last week. Now, when you say cool, my wife is when you say the entire alien series, you have to tell me if you got (coughs) to my favorite alien movies, which are predator versus alien, the the whole series there. Okay. So, so now, honestly, I have never seen, I think I might've said, was that um, AVP? Well, there's, there's like three or four of them. No, see, so now uh, this is true. I have never seen Predator. Uh, Okay. I know. When are you coming over to my house? I have it in 3D. They redid it in 3D. Yes. Okay. I'm coming to your house to watch it. Um, 
Might be a Sunday afternoon. Tell your wife it's missions related. It's it, tell her it's missions related, and and so Andrea could not believe. She said to me, "What?" And I go, "Yeah, I've never seen. Believe it or not, as Wait, cool as Predator is, she's seen, seen Predator, and you haven't, dude. Like she was a high schooler. Why am I doing the podcast with you? <laughs> I know, right? Because because Andrea loves sci-fi." Like she's a sci-fi writer, so she's like she's my hero, dude. Seriously, sometimes like like you just you, you say things like and and you you don't expect you know you expect you're gonna like <laughs> drop the pebble down the well and you're never gonna hear it hit. So like last week I go hey um because I am super excited about Alien Covenant, like almost as excited as I was for Star Wars, right? Super excited. I loved Prometheus. I thought everybody else is nuts for not liking it. They're so stupid. He's going back into the history and he's done some killer things. And he didn't just throw aliens in to make the fans happy. And I was glad. I was like, shut up, fans. He's telling the the origin story that everyone wants. So here's the deal, right? Like, I loved that movie. Thought it was a masterpiece. And, you know, I, I watch everybody parodying each other. Oh, why did the guy touch the, the, the worm critter? You know, well, shut up. So, uh, <laughs> without going into that, <laughs> I'm in rare form today. Don't mess with alien. But, uh, anyways, I told my wife, I said, Hey, it's coming out May 15th. You know, um, let's, uh, w- what do you think about rewatching him? So then you and I could go on a date and go see it. And she goes, okay. And I go, what about watching him like, all week. And she goes, okay, we'll see. Anyways, she was, she watched the first one and she, she turned to me in the first one and said, you know, hon, I don't think I've ever seen this. And it ended up being her favorite. The very first one. Then she saw the second and she's like, that killed it on suspense. Then the third one, she didn't like, which I've always liked the third one. Where they're in the monastery, the prison monastery. I like that one. Mm. Call me stupid, but I like it. And then, uh, but not the new version of it. The new version sucks. What do you mean the right? new version? David Fincher did the original. Um, and the new version was Cameron came, or was it, I don't know. It was, I don't think it was Cameron, James Cameron. I think it was, uh, um, oh shoot. Um, the guy who originally did him, um, Scott, uh, um, Scott, I can't remember his first name now. I know there's Tony Scott, his brother, but the guy, you know, the alien guy, alien one, um, Ridley, Ridley Scott. So he came back and edited number three and it's terrible. They added like 25 more minutes of dialogue focusing on the prisoners. It's terrible. Anyways, then there's alien four, which, you know, you and I've talked about, which is has a a lot of cool stuff. in. no, it's not a good movie. It does though, like Ripley's when they clone her from an alien. That's awesome. And then, uh, and then number five, I guess would be Prometheus. And so, yeah, but, uh, four, yeah, four ends kind of dumb. They can't take it anywhere from there. So, so you haven't seen any of the alien versus predator? No. Okay. All right. You I saw one. I saw one and it wasn't very good. I think they're in some temple. And there were five, I think it was AVP and it wasn't that great. It, it was, well, it, it was pretty, it was yeah, the first one was pretty cheesy, but it still fit the whole alien versus predator 
motif. I mean, so I need it was, to watch it again, but I need to watch Predator first. I yeah, you need to watch to Predator, and you even need to watch the the subsequent Predator movies. Uh, even I saw though, a piece of that when they're in New York. Is that where it was? I can't remember what city yeah. it was in. It, in the nineties, it was on cable, and I saw it. And I it was wasn't like, that great, but it oh. it doesn't matter. Like you just need to understand the whole lure of Predator because. To me, the best Predator uh, Aliens movie was the one where they're on the planet. You wouldn't know this, right? Because you didn't watch it. So they they uh, basically abduct, I don't know, six humans. And they take them to this planet, which is a game-preserved planet. Like, everything in there is just for the, the Predators to go hunt. Dude, that is so cool. And and of course there's uh wait, are there aliens on that one? No wait, that wait. Is that just one of the predator ones? I'm trying to remember now. That sounds cool though. You got me. I honestly I can't remember now if there's aliens in that one. So it may not be an A V P. That may just be just a predator movie. I don't remember yeah, now. I think it is, because I, I didn't see that, but that sounds cool. It so, is cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that that that's really cool. I was gonna say something, I can't remember now. Oh, so Batman fought uh both Alien and Predator. Really? In the yeah, comics? There's comics, there's graphic novels yeah. where he fought Alien. I don't remember what happened in that, but in the Predator one, when he fights Predator, they come to Earth and they're like, Hey, we gotta pick like the best warrior. So they stalk him, they hunt him, and you know, they fight. And he kills the predator, and uh, and then the predator's parents um, or or clan or tribe basically it was a rite of passage for that predator. So it was a young predator learning how to. Um, he had to, it was like going out and kill the kill the bear. So he was coming to kill Batman, and that was going to be you know he's going to take his head for a trophy, and uh, and at the end the. Predator clan and tribe comes and they pay homage to Batman. That's just how cool Batman is. You know, you'd be uh, you'd be really proud of me because I just subscribed to a whole bunch of uh, comic books. Really? Yeah, yeah, I did. See, that's cool, man. So, what? Like, tell me more. Well, I'm Mar- <laughs> Marvel. You're Marvel, aren't you? Well, uh, they were actually Marvel. Yeah. Um, let's see. I've Mar- subscribed Marvel to Limited. These are the ones I subscribed to, to six of them just uh, just in the last week or so. Uh, Star Wars Han Solo. Nice. So I'm going to I'm going to start picking up that one. Uh, Star Wars Poe Dameron. Uh, Star Wars Dr. Alfra, whatever that is. I don't know. Star <laughs> Wars Darth Maul. Yeah, I'll just pick this one. <laughs> you got to like Star Wars Darth Maul. And then uh, I am Groot. Because I really nice. like I really like Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I know, and then the new Star or the new uh, Darth Vader uh, series. Uh, I believe that's going to be issue one that I'm getting, uh, starting from there. It's all right. Don't worry about the train. Everyone knows about the train. He is like horn happy man. He is laying on that thing. It's okay. Some okay. problem. Throw a rock and commit a felony at him when he comes by. So yeah, those will those will be coming in the next six to eight weeks. I figured, you know, the boy will be happy. He'll have some some reading material. I'll be happy. I'll be able to read to him something I want to read. Um, so I, I like how you roll. As you see, Jamie, the the Charger is a family vehicle. It's got four dealers, and 
um, I've decided to invest in our child's reading activities. Yes. I like how you think, Mitchell. Well, you know, um, the one part that I'm still trying to... Oh, my to- gosh, dude. Just come on, dude. Guy's been, like, for miles. Because I can hear him down the track. Oh, I'm sure. Miles laying on. The the one part about the charger that I'm not sure... Can can I just interrupt real quick and just say I am going to pray an imprecatory prayer against <laughs> that train operator? No. No. David prayed him. No. God, break the teeth of that wicked man. No. Why? Because what happens if it happens while he's driving the train and there's fallout? So I'll pray my imprecatory prayers and I'll put a time tag on there. A <laughs> time tag. At such and such intersection only, though. After such <sighs> and such intersection. So anyway, what I was saying about the charger is that the part that I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to explain this to my wife is uh, I want to have the Lambo doors installed, you know, <gasps> where the doors go up. Yes. Yeah. And then last Not night, I asked her if I could put a red racing stripe on it. <laughs> Did you really do that to your doors, though? Yeah, they got a kit for it. No, of course, I had to pay so someone do to do it because I'd screw it up. Please. I'll drive down just so we can drive places together and get out. <laughs> we'll get out. We'll get a Coke. We'll throw it in the trash. We'll get back in. We'll drive somewhere else. We'll go to Walmart, get out, buy a DVD, get back in, get out. The picture so they had, they had uh, actually all we four need to doors. Go to the mall. We need to go cruise the mall. Not for chicks, though, because we're married. But I mean, just, you know, show up at the mall, man, with a car like that. You're a god at the mall if you have a car like the, that. Yeah. Well, see, none of the malls around here do I want to be a god at, <laughs> even a lowercase g. It's just not, they're not the malls for me. But I was thinking about my red racing stripe. See, here's the problem I did order some personalized plates. So the personalized plates are are coming. They're on their way. So I ordered the because my car is it's not a black. They call it granite, granite pearl coat. So it's a it's a dark color, and then it, it's got the blacked out rims, and it's got what they call the the black top package or something. So everything's blacked out on it, right? So I ordered the uh, the nineteen sixties uh, personalized plates, which are the black plates with the uh, yellow numbers. Yeah. And um, so now I'm thinking you have maybe- charger underwear. I'm just, this has become our new trend. So I'm just wondering to talk about the charger. Um, do you have charger underwear? No, but I did buy these, these, uh, Star Wars underwear that I like so much <laughs> that I've literally, there it, is. there it is again, folks. I've literally gone back and bought three more of the exact same one. So like, how come you haven't shared if they're that good? Why keep it yourself? Come on, man. Because. Like, they keep running out on Amazon, and I have to wait and order them later, so I couldn't have okay, you take okay. them. Okay, you and I are never going to have the same size of underwear. That's just <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> There's no danger. No, no, you don't understand. There's like 5% spandex. I'm sure it's one size fits all. <laughs> That's awesome. We call this the moo-moo size. All right. What are you saying, moo-moo size? What are you saying? <laughs> Well, Moo is something everyone can wear, man. That's a one. When I think one size fits all, I think Moo's. That's exactly what everyone else is thinking. <laughs> so now I'm thinking about getting the yellow stripe instead of the red stripe. The, so that way it'll match the license plate. Nice. You know? I, sorry, I interrupted your charger. That's that's it. That's that's the end of the story right there. I, I love driving places. Like, I'm like, okay, do I need to go to Las Vegas this weekend? Because I can drive there. <laughs> like, there's these. Man. So on my bucket list, right, and I, I so wish you had a DeLorean 
Because on my bucket list, man, would be like driving around in a DeLorean, having a trash com- or a, a food compactor on the back, you know, what, like a food processor, and and literally like getting out in a lab coat with goggles. That's on my bucket list, man. Just driving around, getting out. Putting I vegetables bet you in that, you can get a DeLorean away. relatively cheap. Like even even one of those those ones that are made to look like the movie. I bet you could get one. Pretty cheap. Really? The problem is, is none of these uh, millennials are going to have any idea who you are or what you're doing. I don't care. I just need the out of time license plate, and I need the food processor on the back that has a little, you know, hole in the trunk that goes into a bucket. So every time before I get in it, I just take a piece of corn out of my lab coat, you know, maybe maybe like you know a hamburger, and I just feed it in there, and then I get in my car and drive away. That would be such a satisfying. I just go to Costco and like buy like bulk cheap food and just feed it into my food processor every time I get in. And of course, you have to drive right up to the front doors, not in a parking spot, and just like get out right there. <laughs> yeah, just leave it there and let let the fog machine kind of like drip drip out of the the side of the doors. Man, okay, so for my 50th birthday, I'm going to figure out how to make this. The reason why your car would never get towed is they'd all assume it was part of some Costco publicity stunt. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, that's probably true. Oh, yeah. If you parked it out in front of a mall, because you got to go to a mall with your, you know, fancy car. You could park anywhere you wanted. You could. You totally could. You know, you could, you could probably, as long as you kept that sticker on the window, drive your car into the mall. Park inside the mall and then go shopping. I was just thinking you could at least drive right up on the sidewalk in front. Like it doesn't matter how, pa- like at Christmas time, could you imagine shopping? It'd be easy for you to find a parking spot. You go, no, I'm just going to park right there on the sidewalk. It'll be cool. Yeah. But you could, you could literally drive your car into the mall, park it. And uh, as long as it has that sticker and says something like, you know, um, sweepstakes. Sweepstakes. That's all you got to do. Sweepstakes. That's all you got to do. And then you park in the mall, do your shopping. Dude, and put a little box. You could actually put a little sticker that says sweepstakes. (laughs) Put a little box next to any car. It doesn't even have to be a DeLorean. (laughs) And you could park anywhere you wanted. You know what I'm saying? True. Oh, my gosh. You're right. Keep it clean. Put a sticker on. It could be like a magnetic sticker you put on. And uh, you could have it on the inside of your car. And then, yeah, put that box out. And boom, you're good. Yeah, I like it. I like it. No one's going to tell someone to open the double doors for you, though. To the mall. I see. I still say don't drive it inside. Leave it outside on one of like the big. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go in, get your Wetzel's pretzel and then come out. And, and, you know, in your trunk, you could keep like those, uh, those, the rope (laughs) and the poles and you just put it all the way around your car. Dude, you could like Christmas time. You would never have a problem finding a parking spot. Oh my gosh, dude. We've just, we're genius. Church planner. Um, <laughs> obviously you don't have a car that you could use for this because you're a church planner, but, uh, Hey, you know what? See, that's, you, you've just got the mindset though, that all church planners are poor. You and I happen to know that not all church planners are poor. <laughs> Some of them are really, really not to poor. To my detriment. To my detriment. I've always assumed they're poor. Like me. You're like, I, I could do like the anti Tom Boo commercial. Like, you want to be poor? Plant the church like me. I'm Come just saying. Free seminar. I'm you just can learn saying. how to not make a lot of money. I like it. I like it. We should actually get into the topic because we're almost out of time for you. We are almost out of time. So we're going to have to come back and record part two later on. But, uh, but, but today's podcast is brought to you by 
Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of a Lost Art. That's my book. Pete, have you, did you know I have another book coming out? Pete? Wait, 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 wait a second here. How come this is the first time I've heard about it? Well, because I've been really quiet on Facebook about it. Like, if you follow me on Facebook, you're like, dude, why has this guy not been blowing up stuff on Facebook about this book if it's such a big deal? So, uh, reaching the unreached, becoming Raiders of the Lost Art. And when this podcast goes live on Monday, guess what? Exponential is on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And if you want to get the book three weeks ahead of release date, guess what? It's exclusively at the Exponential Conference. You need to go to the Zondervan booth and ask for it by name. And by the way, those of you listening, you know that you've got a bunch of freebies. If you go to reachingtheunreachbook.com, you can order it in advance. And if, look, we were just joking around about how I never want to make money off of, of you church planners and this and that. I mean, hey, if I can serve you and help you and make a living out of it, great. I'll do that. But the reality is my heart has been over the years is really just to help you guys. But if you have been listening to Church Planner Podcast, you've been following with us, tracking with us, um, if you've been blessed by anything I've done, then now is your time to pay it forward. If, you th- if, if you're ever going to do one thing for me, buy this book. And don't just buy one, buy a case. <laughs> <laughs> but here's why, though. Uh, because I, I get bigger book. royalties off of a case than I do off of an no, individual no, no. book. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I wrote this book with study guide in it. Take your church plant, take your core team, take your small groups. If you're from a bigger church through this book, this book is going to revolutionize the people in your church. I believe in this book. It's not just, I wrote a book. I'm trying to flog it. Literally this book will transform your people from, and I stole Pete's phrase from pew jockeys (laughs) into missionaries. And by the way, I get a lot of comments when I, when I go on podcasts, people are like, ha ha, that's funny. Pew jockeys into missionaries. And I say, yeah, I made that up. No, actually, I, I, I say, no, my, my, my podcasting partner came up with that phrase. That's on the back of the book, Pete Mitchell. You know what I think is funny is, um, let, let, I know we got to get into the topic, but let's just cover this real quick. How many pages is Zondervan set aside for testimonials at the beginning? They, <laughs> come on now. They set aside two pages front and back. And then how many did you end up needing? Six. But they only settled on four. And and there's certain people like Mac Lake's not in here. Like so many people got cut out. I couldn't believe it. Okay, so Except here's my point. Eight. Here's my point. You've got Alan Hirsch. You got Hugh Halter, Mac Lake. You got testimonials from everybody. Yeah. Who's the one person you... You, I don't know, some would say wisely decided not to ask, who maybe perhaps publishes uh, the the premier magazine for church planners called Church Planner Magazine, who is the co-host of the largest, most listened to church planner podcast out there called Church Planner Podcast, and you didn't even bother to ask him for a test. Like, that wasn't even... I didn't think you'd do it. It was like when I went to Ed Stetzer and he's like, I'm too busy. But even Ed gave you one, didn't he? Or no, he just interviewed you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you do want to check out that interview, it's on uh, Christianity Today, The Exchange. And you check that out. But anyways, guys, honestly, if you want to pick up a copy of the book, um, please uh, pick pick up a case. If you buy two cases or more, I will give you 30 
minutes, whether what? I zoom in with your small group that you lead, I will give you 30 minutes to go through it. Um, or to take Q and A. Like I'm, I'd be super blessed if I knew you were taking a small group through this. So if there's anything you want to do, even if you're like, Hey, I'm going to order a case that's 24 books per case. Um, you can still get them at the bulk discount at reaching the unreachbook.com. You click on that, you get the discount. Um, it, it roughly works out to nine something a book and, uh, even collect it from your people or have the church pay for it and boom, collect that 10. If you're a poor church planner, do it. I'm telling you the dividends this is going to pay is it is going to help you reach the unreached. If you're a poor church planner, uh, sell it for retail and <laughs> buy it at wholesale. All right. Let's right. so at $15, <laughs> it becomes a fundraiser. <laughs> I'm just saying, let's do this right. Church planner. Uh, a little something we all learned from uh, Burger King over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Siri, please go to reaching the unreached book.com. I just wanted to set off everyone's phones who's listening. Uh, that was killer. I, you know, I read that article online and I'm like, Pete's for sure going to talk about this. <laughs> I this kept trying to go. Pete's good at. I kept trying to go. Uh, I, I kept trying to get Siri and Alexa to go to bivoconsultant.com, which is one of my websites and bivowebinar.com. Uh, uh, you can do that church planner, go to bivowebinar.com and, and it, I couldn't get it to work. Didn't they do it? So Cause they, you, they, they didn't know what Bivo was. Do websites, right? But I think what they did is <coughs> you can, you can ask, go to websites. Oh yeah. You? Yeah. Okay. But no, they, they tricked, uh, they tricked Google. It was the Google assistant <coughs> into, uh, to go into, uh, Wikipedia. Well, well, for those of you that may not remember when Google voice first started up, we actually did a, um, we did a podcast. We're just laughing our butts off going, Hey Siri. <laughs> right. We were doing that. I don't remember what we did, but we were trying to like, get and it people... kept triggering people's phones. Cause they kept telling us to knock it off. <laughs> it was something like, Hey Siri, download, you know, uh, whatever. I don't remember. It was Alexa remind me in an hour to go to reaching the unreached book.com. So now anyone who's listening with an Alexa, their Alexa will remind them in an hour to go to reaching the unreached.com. I wish we could tell Alexa to purchase cases. That would be oh, awesome. You can. You can. Alexa, it. get reaching the unreached book from Amazon. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The order is now in the pipeline. Siri. Get- <laughs> everyone's phones to automatically order the book that's great hey siri order reaching the unreached book from amazon i, I love don't it. know what you mean peyton you know what siri calls me ninja warrior it's pretty cool oh really mine calls me uh jedi master what yeah not dark lord of the sith <clears throat> Ooh, i kind of like that one too maybe yeah. i should change my dark master yeah so seeing as we've only got like uh, eight minutes before you got a jam, should we save the actual serious part of the podcast? We should. Are we done doing my book commercial though? <laughs> what did I leave? You're the marketer. You it could be the me. longest book commercial, the longest commercial we've ever had on the podcast. Well, you're you're going to interview me pretty soon on both podcasts. About, <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> 
This is why Peyton should only have a book come out every three to four years because I've become impossible to live with. Dude, I love it. I love it. So what you're saying is everyone should go and pick up a copy of the book. A copy, man. A case. A case. (laughs) Everyone should go and pick up two cases so they can get the half hour. So they can get 30 hours of me. Dude, how many, how many books are, how many books are in a case? 24. See, what I would love is if somebody uh, bought 47 books and you're like, nope, sorry, you're one book shy of two cases. Oh, yeah. No 30-minute wow. consult for you. Hey, hey, I, the deal was two cases, man. Two cases. You, you should have put a limiter on there. I'm going to do the 30-minute consult to the first X amount of people or until all of my spaces are filled. Because what if people are just like, dude, I get a half hour with Peyton Jones? I'm buying 48 books. Yep. Yeah. But it, well, of course, you know, it's, uh, we'll see, you know, it, the reality is I think we will get people doing it. Um, it's, it's a good deal. 30 minutes of someone's time man. that, that actually is not bad. I mean, I've done the math and it's pretty, I think, I think I might be ripping myself off, but I want to help your people get motivated on mission. No, it helps you in other as, ways too, because, yeah. uh, it'll get more, more publicity for your book. And, and obviously, uh, that that helps build uh, build a little bit of a platform, as they call it, for you. And uh, well, and it's it's a it's a steal, really, to buy two cases to go through your church with small groups. They're going to give you that ten bucks anyways, if you want. Fifteen plus thirty minutes. Fifteen with fifteen, <laughs> uh, as Pete says, the marketer Pete speaking. Plus thirty minutes with the author. It has nothing to do with it's being a marketer. It has to do with being the guy who's always after money. Wait a second. If I'm selling it for what I'm buying it at, how exactly does that help me out? That's why Pete runs every, every time we have someone say, Hey, I want to advertise with the podcast. That's why I'm always like, uh, you need to talk to Pete. <laughs> Cause I'll be letting you do it for free. And he'll be exactly. like, pay me, pay me my money. All right. Well, when we come back, then we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and do the, uh, the spiritual gifts, uh, the final series, the final spiritual gifts a la mode, a little bit of ice cream. Yeah. This is where we're going to do a deep dive into the spiritual gifts and talk about. Um, the different types of gifts and what exactly each of them are. Cool. I dig it, man. We'll talk about the ultimate gift, which uh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll be back right after. Yeah. I'll give you a little hint. It's in First Corinthians 13. I think you got it, too. So I'll talk to Love. You yeah. It's Huggy Bear. It's the gift of hugging. <laughs> That's Pete's, Pete's missional code name on mission trips. Pete's code name, Huggy Bear. <laughs> Dude, what I hate is when people come up to me and hug me at these conferences. That's why I don't go to Exponential. People are like, oh, you're Pete Mitchell. Let me give you a big hug. I'm like, Dude, seriously, what's up? No, fist bump. Yeah. If even that. Fist bump. Let me, let me go hide in a, let me go hide in a the cantina or something. <laughs> well, that was what was funny is that, that Babylon B, I had sent that, uh, that I posted that that thing where the guy's like, I've been a greeter for 30 years. And <laughs> one day someone slipped past me, and I vowed never again will that happen. And it was like, Pete, he's coming for you, hey, man. Hey, quick question, though. When you mentioned Pew Jockey and uh, whatever the line was, did you credit <laughs> me or did you just say my co-host? <laughs> like, did you I use my – Pete Mitchell. Yeah, I read a book! Oh, oh, no, no. You're no. Not in this. No, no. 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 I'm not in the Aren't book. You in church? Aren't you in church? I didn't know you want to be it. 
you know what? I should have asked you, but it's kind of like, yeah, he's his friend. He works with him, right? Like, okay, next time I'm going to have you in it, man. I'm sorry. I'm never it's putting probably- your name in any of my books ever. <laughs> ever. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to refer to him as Dark Lord of the Sith. I'm looking at the index. I'm looking in the index, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking in the index. Nope, no Pete Mitchell here. <laughs> well, I'm not buying that book, and forget me buying a case. Forget you. Stupid. I'm editing this commercial out of this podcast. <laughs> All right, man. You you are going to be in here some way, shape, or form. You're on my first one, aren't you? Didn't I write you into church zero? I don't think you used my name. I need my name. I need recognition. I need a right. spotlight. Ooh! All right. I'll make you immortal. Just give me, give me another. I got another book on the way. It's about, it's, it's about heaven. So <laughs> it's about heaven. This will be the line. It'll be my friend Pete Mitchell thinks I'm crazy to say any of what I'm about to say, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back. Okay, church planner, what you don't understand is that we had to do a little break between what you just heard and what is now going to be the content-rich portion of the podcast, which for all the non-fun church planners, it's your favorite part. And here's the thing. It's been several days, and I was just telling Peyton, it is going to be so hard for me to not do smack talk because I got like three good stories I want to tell. I know, right? Like me too. Like a whole weekend's gone by. I but I have to wait. You have to you have to wait and share the trauma this uh this Thursday. So okay, well let's get into the gifts. And we want to talk about the different types of gifts. <clears throat> Remember, we had three different categories. And we talked about the 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 gifts. The ministry gifts that, um, interesting, these three categories come, even though they're the gifts of the spirit, the result of him living within you, they are given by different members of the Trinity. And this is, this is really interesting. Really? We, yeah, we believe. Is that, what verse is that based off of? Well, it's, it's based on how each of these categories mentions where they come from. So, for example, like, um, we're, we're Trinitarians, right? Like we, we believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So, for example, like the ministry gifts, Ephesians, um, it, it says that Jesus gave these gifts to the church, right? Um, that when he ascended on high, he gave, uh, you know, the, some to be apostles, prophets. So these are from Christ, from his ministry, and these are what we call the serving gifts. So, um, for example, I, a mutual friend of ours was on Facebook, a pastor, and uh, and he was complaining about how, pe- how people don't respect pastors anymore. And he was talking about how well clearly, this. clearly he listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but pastors, what are they good for? Oh, sorry. <laughs> But, but here's the deal, right? Like he was complaining about people don't respect us. We work hard. And I'm, I'm thinking the whole time respect is earned, right? It's, it's not a right you have. And that, that's kind of the problem is we've got mm. too many pastors walking around thinking they're God, definitely getting paid pretty close to what God gets paid. And you, you know, think? they walk. 
Well, come on. Do that, but I know I know some pastors. Let's just put it this way. No, let's be fair. Let's be fair. The majority of pastors are not paid anywhere near God. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like most By pastors standards. By church, it's all relative. Yeah, but most but, churches but, but, are church planner standards. Like even the established ones that have been around for 100 years still have less than 100 people. Hey, I used to think 100,000 for a pastor was a lot. I mean, we're not talking. And then, and then you move to Southern California in a year or, or thereabouts, right? Like more than what you make, my friend. So, you know, the, when a pastor starts making that, I start kind of wondering what's up with that. It depends. Well, yeah, but I, first of all, I don't think that happens very often. Not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying I don't think it happens very often at all. And I don't care if the money comes to them outside of the church. Like some of these guys write books, you know, look at Rick Warren. I don't even know how much money he's ta- made. No, I'm talking about from the church. And so here, yeah, here's from the, the church, deal, but, yeah. but within the background you and I came from, right? I'm, I'm not going to mention it, but in the background you and I came from, there was no accountability. And so we basically said, really? Oh, you know, TBN, all that stuff. But basically, um, at some point, it's kind of like Bono says, right? Um, he, he, one of his songs, he has a bridge that says, uh, I'm still a child, but no one tells me no. You know, the, there's no, there's not accountability when, when many of the pastors, the way that the churches were set mm-hmm. up became CEOs. That's why it's always healthy to have these teams. And so going into this, the teams are apostle, prophet, evangelist. And by the way, beep, beep. let me say this. Beep, beep. Let me just say that. Um, it, there's nothing wrong with being well compensated. When Paul says you're worthy of double honor, He's saying you should be paid well. You shouldn't be kept poor. And I'm, I'm grateful to Paul for saying that. Um, but there's a difference between being counted worthy of double honor and worthy of uh, quintuple honor, shall we say. And, uh, and maybe, you know, I, I don't even know how to quantify it when it's like 10 times 100,000 or whatever. But I don't think Paul meant that. But I there's just Paul not that many pastors who are in that category. So I, I honestly don't even think that's an issue that needs to be brought up. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You'd think that. But uh, there's no way. There's no way nationwide there's more than 10 pastors that make a million dollars a year as as a pastor of their church. There's yeah, just no probably, way. Probably, I don't, I don't well, buy it. Okay. And I'm, and I'm thinking more like half a mil. You know, five, six hundred thou a year, you know, that, even that's, that, that's I to mean, me. even that I, maybe another 10, literally 20 guys in the whole nation. Yeah. But you got to And gotta, they're all in Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you too can inherit this money. And and here's the thing is I'm just saying it, the, the reality is these gifts are serving gifts. They're not entitlement gifts. And I think that what what's happened is we've turned the position, you know, we start talking about the pastor's wife being a first lady and all that kind of stuff. You've missed the point of the whole thing that Paul's laying down here in Ephesians. You're not there to be served. You are there to serve. And, you know, like you said about books and, hey, if if you can make money, to, that's awesome. Like, I have no issue with that. But I think that that, that I just know things, you know, I know things and probably things I shouldn't know. But they bother me. And, you know, when, when these, when I know this is happening and people don't know about it, the average congregant doesn't know that 
you know, pastors are raking in this much. And I know because I have a good friend who's see it, it, that also depends <laughs> on the ministerial denom- tax man in Southern California. And I just, I just know, but see that, that also just depends on the, uh, the denomination that you're with because, uh, the denomination that I grew up in, everything was disclosed because it was a member run church, which we've had, we've talked about on the podcast. It's balances, which is those well, but that was about the only thing that made a member run church good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the pastor never got to get much money. No, but, um, see, that's the, that's what Paul was writing in. So that's where Paul's like, Hey, if you're going to pay a guy, pay him double on it. So, so we're not saying he ought to be poor. And I love that, that Paul goes, pay him double, you know, like if you value what he's doing, you know, pay him double. I think that's awesome. But again, there's a point where it starts to get kind of ridiculous. And it, what's interesting is we're, we're just getting around the idea that these are serving, serving gifts. And, and perhaps I shouldn't have opened this little Pandora's box. I'm sorry. Right? You said you wanted to be interactive and I took a, I took a <laughs> offense to what you said. Well, it's okay, man. It's, it's good because uh, again, these are gifts kicked down from Jesus. And, and here's the deal. The real reason that, that these were given were to serve the body. And you know that, that these are serving gifts because it literally, you're to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And, uh, an apostle <clears throat> establishes and builds churches. He's a church planner and <clears throat> excuse me. He's like the, the thumb, you know, he's, he's the, the one that touches all the others, um, kind of holds the fist together. We've gone into all that, so I won't go into that, but let's just kind of, you know, say the prophet, the evangelist, the, the, uh, the pastor, the shepherd and the teacher, these are to serve. And then you have your manifestation gifts, which are the gifts of the spirit. And these are really to reveal, uh, God himself. And sometimes they're supernatural. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're very natural. It could be that, um, I'm expressing grace. I'm, I'm serving. I'm, I'm doing some of these things. Um, but here's, here's the ones. These are the gifts of the spirit that reveal, uh, God's presence, I would say, um, and his, his power. So, uh, first there's gifts of utterance. There's gifts of power and there's gifts of revelation. So you've got, Prophecy. And so, so Paul, he, he really, when he structures these out, he's categorizing them. And when he, and these are found in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. So when he talks about prophecy, prophecy is not future telling or foretelling. It's, it's, some people say it's forth telling. It can include something that's going to happen in the future. I mean, I write in Church Zero about Jeff's uh, prophetic word. What's that? Cha-ching. Yes, thank you. Good reminder. I, I mentioned that Jeff talked about the financial collapse and that was weird. Like Jeff never told the future. Like that wasn't part of, and he even said to me, Hey, this is kind of weird, but it's a really big burden. I've been sitting on it. I feel I'm supposed to share it with the church and I'm like, how about in a small group? But you know, Jeff was like, no, no, I got it. And he, he predicted the financial collapse and there was a reason he was like, look, it was the dawn of our church plan. It was 2005, a core teams meeting 2006 hadn't happened yet. And he, and it was nine months before. And he said, look, you know, there's a coming economic collapse and he's using all that word. People are going to lose their homes, jobs. And he's like, but you know, um, but the Lord wants us to put our hope in him to know that when this happens, um, not to, not to be shaken by it, that part of our witness 
as the people of God will be to show that our hope is in God and boom, boom, boom. And so when it happened, it, it we didn't get scared. It was kind of cool. But, um, but all that to say, um, the, uh, the way that I knew Jeff had the gift of prophecy was that, um, he just prayed for us, you know, one night about our infertility. And the cool thing was we had never told anyone that we had infertility. And he just took aside, you know, one night at the end of our core team and was like, Hey, can I pray for you? And it, I don't know how to explain it, but some healing in, in my wife's heart was done, some in mine. Um, you know, and, and prophecy is really telling God's heart. It might be that someone's under condemnation. You go up and give them a, a, a word of encouragement. That's, that can be prophecy. When, when Paul says speak as if speaking the very words of God, the very oracles of God, as if God were revealing his heart through you, that's prophecy. If you even speak truth, um, that can be, believe it or not, prophecy. The Puritans used to call preaching, spirit anointed preaching, prophecy. And so don't get weirded out on it. I've, I've seen a, a new believer prophesying without realizing she was doing it. She didn't realize she had the gift, but she was just speaking things that, that were just, I don't know if you've ever, I've mentioned this, Pete, that at Refuge uh, Long Beach, we had a guy that just said one sentence after a 45 minute discussion on whether or not we should do this or that. And it was like the Holy Spirit just cut the air with a sharp knife and cut the atmosphere. And we all just sat there one sentence. He just threw a zinger out there and we knew we had heard the voice of God through that one sentence. So it's not like those say it, the Lord God, if someone does that, it's probably not prophecy. You know, um, that's someone really wanting attention. So what you think about that? Pete? I think you need to be wearing a nice big white suit and you need to take your coat <clears throat> And you go running over the audience and hitting people with your coat. That's what I think. <laughs> and uh, what do you mean, Pete? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we're 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 being we're being nasty in this podcast, aren't we? I start off a little nasty. It's because we didn't get to do our smack talk. <laughs> all this pent up angst, like no. Sure. All right. So uh, what's the next one? Move right. move it along. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Your favorite. Your favorite, other than the gift of hugging, is the gift of tongues. Mm, Now, wait, what? (laughs) This is now tongues is really interesting because Paul says that it's gibberish if there's no interpreter and it's seen as crazy talk, which let's be honest, it is. Oh, it totally is. I got stories for days on tongues. To the human ear, it's gibberish. To the uh, human brain, um, it's, it's crazy talk and here's the deal. It's okay because it wasn't really intended for public consumption tongues. Mm. When you hear Paul talk about it, he tells you it's for the edification of yourself. So when you walk into a church and like, boobly, oobly, oobly, doobly, you know, and you're like, dude, everybody's doing this. They're misusing it. I, I don't, I, you know, I have a power drill. Um, and I could use that power drill for all kinds. I could use it for like mixing things. You know, I could use it for, uh, you know, um, giving people shots. You know, if I were a, a nurse, I could use it. It'd be a messy way of doing it for sure. Um, <laughs> for just proud like these. Don't picture it, but I could misuse that power tool for just about anything. I could drill holes in the ground with it and, you know, uh, drill holes in my tree, 
and put vit- tree vitamins in it, but that would be misusing that power drill, right? Um, it's a, it's a tool. It's a gift, but it needs to be used correctly. And Paul says, Hey, you know, do it under your breath. Like it's for you. But he goes, if one of you does use it publicly, make sure there's an interpreter. And the reality is, and that's the third one is the interpretation of tongues. It's a supernatural interpretation. And so that's why people nickname it prayer language because it's really for you. Paul says, I just, it's for edification of me. But if I speak it publicly, it needs to be interpreted and then it automatically becomes a prophecy. And you get the impression that Paul is saying that should be a rare occurrence. It is not a normal. In the time that we were in Pillar, we had lots of people with gift of tongues. They did it to themselves and I would tell them, they would say, well, under your breath, like, how, what's the volume, suggestive volume level on that? And I'd be like, well, Paul says under your breath, so just you can hear it. <laughs> so if the person next to you hears it, it's too loud. <laughs> really? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not meant for other people to hear. It's for you. And uh, it's like when you hmm. pray, and you don't always have to do it out loud. But anyways, the, the deal is, yes, it's an utterance. Yes, you do it. But Paul says do it quietly. Quiet. So, uh, anyways, uh, Pete, I know you got thoughts about this one. I, on. You know, the thing is, growing up, first of all, in a very conservative Baptist church where there was no speaking in tongues, and then going to an Assemblies of God school. Oh, my gosh. Where everybody spoke tongues, you know, <laughs> when they gave out a homework assignment. It's like I've seen the gamut, and um, and I went to my buddy's church. His dad was a pastor. And I remember one time I, I visited <coughs> his church and I remember, uh, pretty much everyone in there speaking in tongues. Like they would have a little, a little time in the, the service where everyone was speaking in tongues. They'd I remember looking at, what's that? They'd have a tongue a thong. Pretty much. And I remember everyone, I, my buddy and I, I was like looking at him going, dude, are you freaking kidding me? What did I walk into? <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm, I'm so done. I'm never coming back to this church. Y'all are crazy. Yeah. And and Paul pretty much says no tongue during your church service. You know what I'm saying? He's saying, look, if you're going to speak in tongues and it looks crazy, stop. Right. So I don't know that I could ever speak in tongues, even if I was given the gift, because I think mentally I would have such a hang up against it. Like, I'd be like, I'm just making stuff up. I mean, shut up, dude. I'm This is my mind making stuff up. So so like my wife has the gift of tongues. And it's a beautiful thing for her. I mean, really beautiful. And, you know, uh, there are gifts that if they're not your gift, they're going to seem weird. And so like all of our charismatic, we've already lost a charismatic Pentecostal friends are listening, go, dude, you're wrong. And, and that's okay because you can disagree with me on this podcast, but the no crazy rule is, is what I invoked in church because I had people that wanted to dance around the room with flags. And I was like, mm, no, because we're here to glorify Jesus and reach lost people. And and I literally, I can remember watching a TV show. <clears throat> they took a British family and they did, it was kind of like one of those wife swap things. And they took uh religion uh, swap. That should be on TBN. Well, she took the family to her church and they were really interested and really open to the things she was saying about Jesus. She was a cool lady. 
Um, and then they took, they took the, um, uh, they, so this lady took the husband and kids that she had, you know, the wife swap program. They switched spouses and families for a week, no sex. And, uh, so have you seen the show? Is that, that was here, right? That was in America yeah, too. They had it here. Okay, or I okay. think they probably still do. Yeah. So, so then the family, after being blessed, and even the man was in tears talking to her one night about the Lord. Then he goes to her church and they're all eyes wide. Like, what in the heck? And it was a small room of about 15 people, and they were just going nuts. I mean, we're talking banners. We're talking people dancing. We're talking people jerking on the floor. And they just, you could just see the walls come up. Like, exactly what Paul said was going to happen. They come into your midst. They think you're out of your minds. And it invalidated. See, these are signs. These gifts are signs to validate the gospel. Healing. Prophecy. These are all signs. And it, it validates the gospel that God's presence, it reveals God's presence. But what they did was the opposite. Mm. They gave the message that they were nutcases and it invalidated anything that had been said previous to bringing them to church. And you can see the Holy Spirit was really working on this, this dad's heart prior to this. And he, they interviewed him afterwards and he goes, Oh man, I, I'll never go back there again. And so anyways, I mentioned this to the, to the, to the team. And there's a couple times where, um, I remember when we started the church, some of my dear, dear friends were, were very charismatic that came and joined our leadership. And it was great. Cause I would say, remember guys, we're not here for you. We're here for them. We're here for the lost people. And, um, and, and they got it. And I will never forget the teenage daughters of this couple coming to me and saying, thank you. They said, we were terrified to go to church as kids. And mm. they actually, until we started this church plant, had thought we're never going to church. And, um, the, the amazing thing was that, um, they, like I said, they said, thank you. Thank you for making church somewhere I can bring my friends. And we would have prophecy in the service. We would do all the stuff Paul said you could do. So please don't misunderstand. Like there were, you know, sometimes Jeff would stand up and say, Hey, I feel somebody today needs healing. And that in itself was a prophetic word. And the thing with Jeff, when you find a guy who's walking in the gifts biblically and is, is the real deal, then basically (laughs) Jeff could say that because I knew after service, someone's going to get healed. And they would. And it just quietly, you wouldn't like, like you said, the white hair, the big, the, the, you know, the, the white suit, the big hair. He wouldn't be like, come up on stage and throw his jacket at him. He literally would say, Hey, you know, off, off we, we pray afterwards, come and someone would get healed. And I just, I just loved that it didn't have to become a three ring circus like Paul talks about not doing. It didn't have to become that for the Holy Spirit to truly reveal himself and reveal his presence and power. And that's how the gift should operate. Um, and I, I go nuts trying to figure out why people <clears throat> don't understand this, but I'll, I'll tell, you know, people might say, yeah, but you don't see the things that, that we see. And I'll be honest, I don't want to because I've seen the real deal. I've seen everything except for raising from the dead. And I kind of feel like, and I have friends who have seen that. <laughs> I have Baptist friends who have seen that, but. But the reality is, um, you don't, you don't need, I, I would, I would also say you probably don't see the conversions that we had seen either. Um, because we took Paul's 
advice, not, not advice, really a command. He's, he just says, don't do it. Um, he, he really spends a whole chapter lecturing them on this because the souls of people are at stake. And I think I said in church zero or jump school or somewhere where I said, Hey, when it comes to, or it was jump school videos, when it comes to pleasing Christians and making them feel good about their church versus reaching lost people, there's no contest. Yeah. I tell you which one I'm going to pick every day of the week. And that is to see people say, yeah. So, um, the next, the next gifts are, are gifts of power. You've got faith and, um, it's not saving faith. This is supernatural faith that's given to people to do impossible things. So like when you see, um, where David, you know, goes against Goliath or Gideon cuts down the Asherah poles or Joshua goes into battle or David, um, is in battle and he, he, he goes, Hey, you know, these guys will fall at my right or left, but whatever. Um, that's a gift of faith and church planners need this gift and they have it. Actually, church planners usually have the gift of faith. Um, they, they can do things. And Hebrews 11 says by faith, by faith, by faith. And that is in many ways the exercising of the spiritual gift of faith. Um, healing. It's a supernatural healing. And the interesting thing about the gift of healing, and he mentions miracles as well. The gift miracles, I don't know a lot about that. Um, I just know that certain things um, would happen. I remember hearing a lot of stories from missionaries where during times of persecution, things would, you know, uh, be overlooked, um, kind of like Jesus passing through the crowd. Bibles that were being smuggled, they'd be searching and they'd, they'd let them go through. And the guys are like, what just happened? You know, um, I don't really understand a lot about this gift, to be honest. Um, but but they seem to be, um, you know, Jesus did miracles like the feeding of the 5000. They weren't as common as healing. Um, you know, he does miracles like turning water to wine, but they're fewer in number. The greatest miracle of all being the resurrection. Um, so so sometimes resurrections. Um, people, like I mentioned, raising from the dead, but I, I haven't witnessed a lot of this. Um, I've seen one or two, uh, miracles. I saw, um, once I had a guy trying to punch me and he couldn't punch me. Um, uh, that was early on and, and he later became saved and said he just physically couldn't hit me. It was like someone was holding his fist back. Mm. Um, when I was sharing the gospel with him and, uh, he was, he was a very rough, um, violent criminal, skinhead. Been in and out of jail. I had cops tell me once when he first got saved, they're like, don't hang out with him. You know, he's, he's, let me tell you about him and lecturing me and this and that. But, um, I, so I guess I've seen little things here and there, but, but healing, um, is the one that, um, interesting thing about healing. I, I remember being in a, in a, in a healing once where the Lord told me, um, this person's going to be healed and it didn't happen right then. And then it happened within a year and I was really troubled over that. And since then I've learned that when the Lord tells me that person is going to be healed, um, and it doesn't happen that day, I tell him because th- this is where for me prophecy comes into play. I, I, I usually get a prophetic, um, word if I'm either sharing the gospel or praying. Um, but. I've learned not to, at first it was really scandalous to me. Like, why did I think this person was going to be healed? And the person was healed, but it wasn't necessarily a miraculous healing on the spot, but it was a word that I gave to them. Um, and, and I've since seen that we saw that in refuge long beach where one of our leaders needed healing 
And I was able to, to speak the word of prophecy because the healing wasn't for that day. And within a matter of months, um, they had been healed. So, hmm. and that's an interesting one because sometimes the healing in the New Testament is not right there on the spot. Um, for example, like Jesus tells a guy, go wash, right? And it's not until he goes to the pool and washes his eyes that the miracle happens. And so, um, I don't really understand. All I know is, you know, with healing, you gotta be, you gotta be open because, um, I've seen people supernaturally healed on the spot. I've seen physical deformities healed on the spot, but I've never, um, I've never, uh, seen in the Bible, like blindness is the classic example where Jesus did more blindness, blind healing miracles than anything. And yet there's not two healings that are done the same. Once, once I'd hate to be this guy, but once Jesus spits in the guy's eyes, like spits in his face, <laughs> another time he spits on the ground, mixes it with mud, puts it in his eye. I just mentioned that. Um, another guy, it's, it's gradual healing. I see, I see men like trees walking. I mean, every time that Jesus does it, sometimes it's instantaneous. He puts his hands on him and he's healed. Um, receive your sight. Each time it's different. And so, you know, that's something to be aware of with healing. It's not always going to be the same. Yeah. It was funny. Uh, the, uh, the church I've been going to, the pastor was actually talking about the old, uh, spitting in mud and, and healing. Yeah. And he actually had a really good reason for why it was probably done that way. Cause he, he kind of brought up the same thing. Why in the world would you do all these other miracles this way? And then this guy, all of a sudden it's like, let me, let me get a good loogie here. You know? <laughs> He's like, because it wasn't for everyone else. It was for that guy. And that guy would would understand that he was totally blind. I mean, what do blind people do? They feel they. And so he was just relating it. He goes, Jesus was relating to this guy on his level. Like this yeah. guy understood what was going on. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting. Yeah. And, and it, there's interesting things, too. Like sometimes there's something that the person needs to do. Like, uh, they, they have to exercise faith and uh, look, um, the, uh, let me say this right away. I need to just come against faith movement because I don't want anyone to miss, uh, you know, I don't want you to misunderstand me. There are good doctrines that have been hijacked by false doctrine. That's what the enemy seeks to do. Like if I were the enemy, I'd be like, Hey, I want to undermine faith. So, cause I don't want people to have faith. Because by faith, boom, 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 you know, I get my butt kicked. So I'm going to create a doctrine and create a movement called the faith movement. And I'm going to have people say ridiculous things about faith. And, but here's the deal. Like, um, Jesus would say things like, if you believe God doesn't play games with your faith. Um, faith is really simple. Just do you believe? Right. It's not like, um, Jesus said, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, it just means you believe like, Let's not, well, what does that mean? Um, it means just a teeny, teeny seed of faith is enough. So, so when faith healers come in and they, they say all this crud, it's like, dude, you are, because here's the deal. Like, oh, they go, well, no miracles could be done because of a lack of faith. And that was the lack of faith of non-believers. The Bible never makes an issue of the faith of believers. Well, believer, you didn't have enough faith. No, that was, People in that region didn't believe in him, and so he could do no miracles, right? They didn't believe in who he was. So the 
faith that, that Jesus wanted them to exercise was in him, that he was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And it makes me furious. Sorry, I'm going to be nasty to have a rant again. Makes me furious that in this, people would take the focus off of God. Like that's ever a good idea to get the focus of your faith off of God and put it on yourself. Hey, if saving you from an eternity of hell isn't done that way, I can definitely tell you a temporal healing of your body isn't about you having faith in your faith or faith in yourself either, okay? It's not about you. You believe Jesus is who he says he is. Boom. That is the faith in the mustard seed. <coughs> and, hey, you know, is is there, like I said, is there a gift of faith? You betcha, and that's given from God. That alone should be enough to undermine the faith movement right there. Just the fact that there is a gift of faith. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I digress. Sorry, Pete. You lost me for a minute there. Remember on, uh, the Flintstones, like when it got all groovy in the seventies and they had, uh, they, they had, uh, they had space people on it. Wasn't, wasn't that the Flintstones where it was like Pebbles was grown up? I don't remember that. Remember that? No. Like Hannah Barbera just went nuts in the seventies. You can Google it. And Pebbles and Bam Bam were teenagers. They looked like the people off the mystery machine. And uh, they had this friend, and she was a space alien, believe it or not, the Flintstones. Because remember, you had you had Kazoo. And uh, she would go, ay, 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 ay. And she'd get carried away, and they'd have to, she'd start floating up in the air. They'd have to grab her by the ankles and pull her I'm, back down. I'm just really, really happy that we still snuck in some smack talk. We did. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, okay, last ones, and then we're done for the day, right? Because we're running out of time. Oh, yeah. So talk about the third and last category next week. If you can receive it. If I can did receive you dig it? If I can you receive it. my ditch, Pete? You with me? No. 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 Okay. All right. So the last ones are the revelatory gifts, the gifts that reveal uh, knowledge or wisdom or, um, naughty spirit. So let's talk about that for a second. Number one, the word of wisdom. <clears throat> this is supernatural, um, wisdom or, uh, insight. So for example, the gift of wisdom, Solomon had this, um, let's not make it weird. So the gift of wisdom means someone who understands or has insight into things that people, situations, and there are people you go to for wisdom. I have a buddy who has this gift of wisdom. And um, I told you not to bring me up again. (laughs) Yes. uh, Pete, Pete Mitchell, everybody um, gift of wisdom, have wisdom, will travel. That's on his business card. You know, Um, but, but the gift of wisdom, I have a buddy who just, he just knows stuff and, and, it's kind of interesting because I'll call him at times and be like, Hey dude, I got this. Can you, and, and it's not like he goes, mm, let me channel into my gift of wisdom. He just walks around with a bunch of wisdom. Now there are people that are naturally wise, people that are worldly wise, people that are, you know, experientially wise. They're, um, you know, topically wise. Like if I want to talk about consulting or marketing, I go to Pete, um, but there is a supernatural wisdom. We're like, dude, that is totally the Lord. Mm. And there's a time where, like we talked about, 
the gift of prophecy. Sometimes the gift of wisdom can be natural. Like, in other words, it's a gift, but it just is kind of there. The person just, they'll counsel you and it will just be very sane and balanced. And then there's other times the gift of wisdom channels through the gift of prophecy. And, you know, it doesn't matter how it happens. You just, just be aware that it's out there and certain people have it. Um, certain people might have wisdom into the scriptures. And so when Paul says, for you have known the scriptures from your youth, which are able to make you wise towards salvation. Um, Paul also prayed for the gift of wisdom and revelation to be given to the Ephesians. I don't think he was praying they have that spiritual gift. <clears throat> As individuals, but I think as collectively as a body, you're saying, I really want you to have spiritual insight into the doctrines of what Christ has done for you, into your existing knowledge, he says. Um, I want you to have wisdom. I want you to, in, a, in effect, what Paul's saying is, I don't want you to have to have me write to you about this. I want the Spirit himself to be teaching you this. And so you can have wisdom into the gospel itself. Um, it, it, like I said, it could just be someone counsels you and you just know, like I go to that person and they shoot me straight, man. They give me wisdom that I know is from the Lord. So then there's words of knowledge. These are supernatural revelations of facts, things that you know that you shouldn't know by natural means. In other words, no one told you, like, for example, today, when I said to Pete, Hey, you want to get there in 15 minutes? And Pete didn't respond to me. And 15 minutes later, I said, Hey, uh, are we going? And he goes, I'm waiting on you. And then I wrote to read your mind. <laughs> Sorry. Should I keep these things behind like our, our private banterings? <laughs> You're alone on the podcast. I just wanted you to, to feel like you were alone. Like I had abandoned you. It was awesome. Well, see, I can see you though. I have, I have a camera in front of me. I just saw your mouth sitting there open. Anyways, this isn't as funny as I think it is, but I think it's funny. Um, that was just funny. That was a stupid joke, but, um, but the reality is, um, sometimes people know stuff. I, I mentioned, I think, wasn't it on the podcast or I mentioned, or was it on Banner Brothers where, uh, I mentioned that, um, Jeff was like, Hey, that person's in adultery. And sure enough, they were, you know, and you know, just sometimes, you know, certain things, um, Agabus said to Paul, you know, he put the belt around his waist and said, Hey, you know, you're going to be bound like this to, to Jerusalem. Um, they were told in the early church about the, um, the, uh, the famine that was coming. Um, kind of like we were told about the economic collapse. Um, these things happen. Sometimes you're just, Given words of knowledge, um, for me, it happens when I preach a gospel. Again, I mentioned prophecy, which is when you speak them, but um, revelation is when you know something. So don't confuse the fact that um, prophecy is when you speak it. That's an, a gift of utterance. Um, revelation is knowledge. So I didn't say, hey, someone in a church has a, uh, adultery and blah, 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 like I didn't do that because it wasn't a gift of prophecy. It was a gift of knowledge. So when that person came to us and confessed, probably like a week or two later, we weren't rocked by it. We knew we were like, yeah, you know, we, we actually knew the Lord had kind of revealed this to us. And we, you know, we didn't know who it would be, but we knew it would be a shock. So, um, I knew in my heart it was just to, to protect us 
from the shock and to be there. And it, it, it was a beautiful thing. And the, the Lord restored, um, you know, those marriages and, um, you know, but gosh, I mean, um, it, it is revealing to me that's knowledge that I sat on. Um, and, and, and like I said, when you have a gift of knowledge and you speak it, it can become a prophecy, but you're not always meant to speak something when it's a gift of knowledge. Sometimes you're just meant to pray for that person. So remember, none of these gifts are meant to be showy. They're not meant to be like, Hey, check out what I can do because it's not what you're doing. It's, it's God. God gave you that knowledge. And then you say, well, God, why'd you give me that knowledge? So like Tyrone, um, Tyrone will sometimes have a word of knowledge for me that becomes a prophecy. And sometimes he'll say, Oh, I just, I just was going to pray on this one, but actually I think I'm supposed to speak it to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You think this is all crazy talk? Well, <laughs> I've had people come to me and say things like, Hey, you know what? Uh, I feel like I got a word for you. And yeah, it's just crap. Honestly, no, yeah. no basis in reality well, at all. And- well, and here's the thing, right? It's like reading the horoscope, right? Sometimes people can give you something really vague and you're like, I don't know. And then you can start kind of, but here's, here's why this is important. Sometimes a word of knowledge, like if someone's given a word of knowledge and they're just supposed to pray on it, but they speak it out to me right now, it may make no sense. But a week from now, two weeks or a month from now, it might make a whole heck of a lot of sense. But here's the, it, again, this is why I'm saying a word of knowledge is usually strategic. It's not just, you know, you get a word of knowledge, blurt it out to the person. That's not, that may not be what it's for. You know, it may not be why the Lord gave it to you. But yes, people will, uh, and, and we've all had this, like, God told me you're supposed to marry me, or God told me you're supposed to marry so-and-so, or God told me you're not supposed to marry so Like, people were nuts with this stuff, like, back in, like, the 70s and you know, and, and here's the reality. Spirit was clearly moving in Corinth. I mean, you read the Bible, you, you you get that God moved in Corinth. And then people got their hands on it and kind of screwed it up. And same with the Jesus movement. I mean, God was truly moving in the Jesus movement. People were getting saved. Um, and then people started screwing it up. So um, anyways, last one is discerning of spirits. And, you know, here's the deal. Discerning the spirits is important because uh, there are some times where this can be a couple of different things. It could be where you're able to discern the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. So this can be when somebody is speaking a truth, kind of like John says. First John says, you have no need that any man should teach you for the spirit himself teaches you. What he's referring to is false doctrine. So discerning of spirits can sometimes mean the spirit of truth versus spirit of error. I know that that is false teaching. I know that's a lie, right? Um, so in, in that case, John was saying, if the spirit's in you, you kind of recognize this isn't gospel truth. Um, but at the same time, it can also be a revealing of um, supernatural demonic spirits. Um, for me, this is something that I'm able to discern uh, very actively when I'm church planting, there are times where I'm able to tell that someone might be demonically, um, being used. Um, that could be a believer, um, to, uh, sow division or things like that. And that's not just anyone who comes against me or says, uh, Hey, I disagree with you. That's totally different. 
people can disagree with me and I don't think the enemy did it. I mean, I'm surprised when people agree with me a lot in leadership, but, um, but discerning a spirit can be, um, yeah, it, there's times I just know that person's demonically possessed. There's just no way to whitewash that one, Pete. Mm. <laughs> so that is, um, is we're over. So we're way over. This is a long podcast today, Pete. It is a long oh, podcast. Shut up. Gosh. <laughs> That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say on that topic. <laughs> Except I'll have to pay. Well, what right. about someone who's got the gift of, say, math? Oh, you know, I know some people who do beat. Oh, really? Pray tell. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they have the gift of doing accounting for your church. What? Uh, IRS reports. What? They have. Oh, yes. They have the gift of administration for sure. What? And they're known as SimplifiedChurch.com. What? Yeah. They'll handle all your bookkeeping, IRS compliance, and, well, just about any other kind of administrative needs you have, Pete. I love that there's someone who's been given that gift because clearly I have not been. I have not been either. And well, that's so you clear. Can go to SimplifyChurch.com and tell them Pete and Peyton sent you. And that's all the time we have for today. Just remember, guys, if you are at Exponential this week, you want to go to the Zondervan booth and you want to pick up Reaching the Unreached because it's available this week, three weeks before the release date. Only at Exponential at the Zondervan booth. Anything you want to say about that, Pete? Remember, if you want to reach the ones that no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music